Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome into the Scoop Podcast on Inside Carolina Podcast Network. This is the Scoop UNC's premier football recruiting podcast. I'm your host, Ross Martin. As always, we're joined by Don Callahan. We're recording this Tuesday. It is National Sign Day by the time you listen to this. Welcome to National Sign Day or Early Sign Day 2021. We're pumped to have you listening. We've got a big show for you. Hope you're excited. We are definitely excited. Don, what's up, man? I am just excited to <laughs> get all this stuff done and over with, be done with all the um, tying up of loose ends in preparation for this class. And uh, I guess... Just moving on to the next one, really. There you go. Always bringing the great content for us, though. This is beautiful. <laughs> um, all right, Doc, how many classes is this for you? I mean, this is just another landmark. The 2021 class Ooh. pretty much is going to be in the book uh, after Wednesday's uh, signing day. Yeah, so I think my first class was 2003 for in, with Anti-Carolina. Okay. So so that's what, 14? No, 17. Yeah. Or is that 18? I think if it was 13, then it would be 18. I'm not a big math guy. Well, all right, let's do it. You said three? Three? Yeah, three. Three, four, four five. five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. How many was that? I don't know. I lost, I lost count. count. <clears throat> um, it was a lot. It's been a lot. Yeah, yeah. So, how does this one compare? Let's get some general takeaways. Actually, and first, let's just go ahead and let you know what's going on with this podcast. We're going to do a little intro here, 15, 20 minutes, talking about the class, just Don and I. We then have two really good interviews set up. We talked to still Steve Wilfong, the director of 24-7 Sports Recruiting. We have a good 15, 20-minute interview with him that's going to come up next. And then following that, we talked to Barton Simmons, 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, uh, for 15, 20 minutes as well. Two, I thought they were awesome interviews. Uh, yeah. Both both provide kind of a different perspective on the class. We asked kind of different questions, a couple of same questions to kind of see what their opinion was on UNC's players, uh, national perspective of the 2021 class, um, recruiting in general. We got Barton on a little bit of his job as uh, the guy who ranks the players. Um, so really good interviews. So make sure you stay on and listen to Steve Wiltfong and Barton Simmons after Don and I are done. Don? Yeah, I... I agree with everything you said. I thought it was, they gave really good perspective. Um, I liked how he dipped a little bit into what Barton actually does. Because mm-hmm. um, I think that there's a lot of um, misunderstanding on certain things and he does a good job of explaining it a little bit, but I think we can get into a little bit more detail in, on an, on a um, upcoming podcast at some point, but um, some really good perspectives, at least from a national side on some of North Carolina's commits from both Steve and Barton. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, Great information if you want to know about this class. For sure. And look, um, 
Wait, I forgot to say this, but you can rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, Inside Carolina Podcast. Make sure you do that. Giant T-shirt and giantteacher.com are our sponsors. Definitely need to mention then. And Don, you can watch Don on YouTube. He is looking in a different direction. He's not looking at the camera. He's looking away. I don't know why he's doing that. Oh, I think I moved my camera since last time. Yeah. I could fix it, but then it I don't know if it makes That's all right. It'll be fine. He's been looking away the whole time. There he goes. Um, all right, Don, let's get into this 2021 class. Uh, first, what's your general takeaway? I mean, this is one of the better classes in UNC history during the internet era. Uh, the, the, the floor is yours. Yeah, so now you have me all subconscious about my freaking <laughs> – I'm just putting it back to where it was. Um, general thoughts on this class. Uh, good, cl- Really good class. Obviously, in-state heavy, which made my job a whole lot easier, especially since we were operating within a pandemic. We really had a – a good grasp on what this class was going to look like really early on. I mean, I think that um, I, I I probably need to go back and look at a mock class or or so um, early on, but I would imagine, and this is not because I am so great at predicting the future, but I just think that North Carolina zeroed in so well on who they wanted in this class and um, had such a, had such a great rapport with a lot of those guys very early on. That was really easy to predict this class there were, there were a couple of situations, you know, we had Jarrett Wilson who was committed then decommitted and North Carolina had to, to fill that boy eventually with Diego pounds and the Diego pound saga was kind of interesting. We also had the, that uh, last outside linebacker slash edge rusher position, which initially uh, North Carolina wanted it to be Zaire Patterson. He ended up going to Clemson and then it was going to be George Wilson. He ended up going to South Carolina and then Travion Stevenson, who UNC liked before uh, George Wilson, uh, they offered George Wilson, he became back interested in North Carolina, um, and he was committed to Pitt. So UNC gets him, and the crazy thing is that George Wilson eventually decommits from South Carolina and wants to get back in with North Carolina, and North Carolina said, no, thank you. <laughs> All right, God, uh, you, got, you got to look at the camera here. If we're to do this YouTube thing, you can't look away. Ross, I mean, do not scold me. I mean, I just it's kind of weird. We're doing a, a video interview and you're looking at the opposite direction. Yeah, it's just because of where the, the camera is. Okay, we'll switch it up. Oh god. It but if I look at it, the camera. I don't know how hard it is to look at the camera. There you go. You're a big boy, you can do it. Yeah, but then it's like uh, <laughs> <laughs> it means we're wasting all this time messing with this stuff. This is bad radio. This um, is bad radio. Just don't I'll try I to don't look get at why it. you can't look at it. There you go. Was that that hard? Because I'm also looking at information. Well, look at me. All right, there we go. So I'm looking. All right, go ahead. So wait, let's go back to that George Wilson thing. So he was leaning towards after decommitting from South Carolina. He's leaning towards Auburn. Auburn fired the coach. Now I'm seeing a lot of crystal balls for Florida State. Yeah. So when he initially decommitted from South Carolina, um, from what I gather from sources, is that North Carolina was a school that he initially looked at, and then North Carolina eventually kind of decided, hey, we are comfortable with where we're at this class and, you know, passed them by. And then Auburn now could could, you know, would have Auburn passed North Carolina after a couple of weeks. I mean, that's that's certainly possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I, I just don't. Um, I, I, I think the best way to put it is North Carolina this second time around said, no, thank you. Gotcha. Well, let's move on to people who are going to be in this class. Um, yeah. You mentioned kind of how it went and you were kind of leaning toward this, this take that it was all done, you know, by the summer and even kind of before then, I mean, there was no drama this fall really. 
Uh, like when did uh, uh, Diego Pounds committed in September, September yeah. 25th. That's the last commitment, right? No, uh, Bryce Nesbitt committed. That's on right. Sorry. December 1st. Okay. So you had Bryce Nesbitt who they kind of targeted all along. And then, and then Diego Pounds were the only ones that would happen during the football season. And much of that was because they're nationally, there just weren't a lot of visits and movement because there are no visits, no official visits. You know, they didn't get to bring in maybe that elite guy from out of state uh, and vice versa. A lot of these guys didn't get to visit other schools. I think a lot of some of these players maybe would have made um, maybe one or two other visits uh, before announcing. But everything was kind of sped up because UNC targeted so many people and they locked down this class uh, really April, May, June. Um, in my perspective, is that kind of how you saw it happen? Yeah. I mean, before the pandemic hit, North Carolina had nine commitments, which ultimately ended up being half of their commitment list, mm -hmm. their signee list. Uh, and I really believe, you know, UNC was in it with a lot of these other guys um, during the pandemic, but I think the pandemic really helped kind of because, because in a lot of those situations, North Carolina was the only school that visited that these schools visited, these kids visited. Why are you laughing? Uh, I don't know if you can hear it. My phone has been going off and I can't reach it. Can you hear it? Yeah. Okay. You're messing up a lot on the tech side. Today. This is, this is, this is awful. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's what well, it's charging the opposite side and I can't obviously get up. Live podcasting. All right. Continue. All right. So, yeah. So North Carolina was one of the schools that a lot of these kids visited mm -hmm. and some of these other schools that they wanted to visit, you know, JJ Jones, for example, wanted to visit Georgia. And I, I mean, who knows how much Georgia, how much interest Georgia had in him, but that visit never happened. You know, Bryson Nesbitt wanted to visit UCLA mm -hmm. again. It probably didn't matter, but he did make a quarantine visit. The visit experience I'm sure would have been better had he been able to hang out with the, the coaches or, mm -hmm. and even officially visit. But the fact that he didn't, you got to look at it as it helped North Carolina. And so really, I mean, obviously UNC had some obstacles and had to adjust how they approach things. Mm -hmm. but um but really i think the pandemic um they, they were one of the schools that kind of benefited from some of some of the aspects that came out of the pandemic from a recruiting standpoint obviously not from a health standpoint and, and all that for sure i mean they had so many good in-state players and that's not gonna be the case every year it just kind mm -hmm. of the stars align in terms of them going and targeting the very talented in-state players for this cycle and a pandemic striking that did not allow a lot of these guys to go make other visits. It had to stay local and they were already in with these guys and they already had most of them committed kind of March, April, May. Um, and, and to go by the numbers here, UNC's class right now, we're recording on Tuesday afternoon, number 12 in the nation, number three in the ACC. They have 18 signees, one five-star, four, sorry, one five-star, 11 four-stars, 15 of the commits are in state. Mm -hmm. and three are out of state and the out of state ones you have a guy from tennessee so it's a border state eli sutton from brentwood academy in brentwood tennessee you have jj jones from myrtle beach right down the road um, not too far of a drive uh, jj jones the talented wide receiver and lastly travion stevenson out of hampton virginia which we've kind of talked about multiple times how that area of the, the tidewater va area is uh UNC is, is one of the closer colleges uh, when you compare it to Virginia Tech or Virginia, NC State, um, UNC, Duke are all, all relatively close to the Hampton uh, Roads kind of area, Roanoke Rapids. Yeah, so the only 
only, I guess, outliner with, with all of that is uh, Eli Sutton. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, Myrtle Beach, I mean, everybody, well, not everybody, most people in North Carolina go to vacation in Myrtle Beach. So it's not that far. Virginia Beach, we talked about a bunch, is, is basically uh, closer, North Carolina is closer to Virginia Beach than even the, the major uh, schools in the state of Virginia. Mm-hmm. So, and then obviously the, the 15 in-state guys, which we're including Kobe Pesor, even though he spent his senior season at Gaffney so that yep. he can play. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, it, it helped North Carolina's cause an awful lot that uh, it, it really didn't have to venture very far for any of these, these recruits. Hey, where did uh, your boy uh, Yusuf Mugabil go? Yosef Mugabil. Florida. Florida. Okay, cool. Interesting. Which is, you want to talk about, that's kind of the opposite of what we're talking about with J.J. Jones and with Travion Stevens, Stevenson, is that you know, he, uh, Yusuf is actually in North Carolina, but you kind of feel like he's not. You know what I mean? I mean, because yeah, he's yeah. so far away. And yeah. I remember when I went by his school, I tried to figure out what's the best way so I'm not like traveling all day and night just to get to this kid's school in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> And what ended up working out best was when I went to the Atlanta opening regional. Yeah, it's close it, to Atlanta. Yeah, it's like only like a couple hours from Atlanta. I hit it up on my way back home, and it was only like added like a couple hours to my, my trip. So it was just kind of crazy. Um, yeah, that's, a, comparison. that's a real interesting part of the state. I mean, I worked out there for two summers in the Anahalo. Where at? I worked in the Anahalo River as a rafting guide, and it's, it's a couple, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes from Murphy, maybe a little farther. But, I mean, that's just so far west. I mean, so yes. far west of Asheville. I mean, I don't yeah. – it's, it's hard to get there. Uh, and then it's close to Georgia. It's close to Tennessee, all that stuff. And Atlanta's kind of northern Georgia, so it makes sense. Yeah. Okay, let's get um, – first of all, if you're listening to this and you're listening in the morning, on Wednesday morning, signing day, we are live streaming from Don's house – at uh at the man tower man tower not just don's house not don's <laughs> living tower. room not don's pantry the man tower 6 45 a.m if you're listening in the morning if you're if you're listening at some point when you wake up uh if you have a chance go to inside carolina find the live stream link link it's gonna be on inside carolina's youtube and you can watch on both our message boards um and we're gonna kind of just Hang out for three, four hours as the as the national letter of intents roll in for UNC and get all that set and kind of just kind of be working and, and coordinating stuff. And Don will be giving live analysis and we'll have live chatter live from the Man Tower with the Inside Carolina uh, 2021 signing day live stream. Don, thoughts? I'm actually more curious to get your thoughts because you're the one who's kind of I'm all right. So let me get my thoughts. I'm, I'm excited because I think it's going to be a cool little thing. It, it really doesn't add too much to our workload because we're going to be working while the stream's going on and just kind of adjusting. And I'm kind of excited because I don't know what to expect and the fans are going to get a, get a chance to kind of see what, what happens. What yeah. uh, we have fans, we do have fans. What, um, <laughs> what, uh, what are your thoughts? Are you, are you anxious? I just want to make sure we're all safe. Priority That's right. One, That's a big part of it. So a lot of it. So just in case we have some people who are trying to catch us being hypocrites, there was a lot of uh, COVID protocols put in place to the man tower in order for this to work in a <laughs> pandemic. Yeah, I've been quarantining. Uh, I've been isolated for, for two weeks now so I could provide so I, we plexiglass. We're going to have masks, although we won't have masks on while we're talking, but we will have plex- plexiglass between us so that Ross doesn't give me COVID or STDs. Jeez, please, man. 
All right, enough of that. So if you do want to watch the live stream, if you're listening to this in time, head to Inside Carolina, head to the message boards, click the link, uh, get the live stream cooking. You can have it up while you make breakfast. We'll try to be not. We'll try to be safe for your kids in terms of the language we'll be using, and you can fire it up at work or whatever. Have it in the background, but uh, it's a cool experiment. It's not. Yeah, we're not really going much out of our way. A couple tech things we had to work out, but hopefully it's gonna be fun. Okay, let's get a little bit more into this class, Don. And we've talked about so much over the last year. Let's wrap it up, and we'll go straight to the two interviews: Steve Wiltfong and uh, Barton Simmons. All right, Don, where do you think UNC got better in this class uh, in terms of its roster building and, and I guess, the program and talent on the roster? Uh, the the front seven on defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at – you have Keyshawn Silver, five-star guy, a guy who I think that um, if he does what he needs to do and develop the way I expect him to, to be a, a first-round draft pick. Uh, uh, Ra Dilworth, who I think is going to be a, a great defensive weapon for uh, Jay Bateman. Power Eccles is just your stereotypical Mike linebacker. Um, if you think about just, you know, just if, whatever vision you have of a Mike linebacker, um, just mm-hmm. knocking the snot out of offensive players, um, the cold, that sort of thing, um, that, that's Power Eccles right there. I mean, he's, he's been – Vance High School has had the best defense in the state of North Carolina the past couple of seasons. They won the state championship, played for it the year before that, and Power Eccles was – the best player and the leader of that defense, if that says anything. You also have Javari Ritzy, who similarly to Keyshawn Silver, has all the tools. Um, I, we, we actually ran an inside the commitment on Javari Ritzy earlier this week, which is fascinating as far as just his background and everything. But one of the interesting things that I didn't know was that he, this kid was a quarterback up until his sophomore season. So he's only played two years of defensive line. So, so obviously he has a lot to learn, and that just kind of speaks to the, what sort of ceiling he has. Uh, DeAndre Boykins, another kid who just a pure athlete who I think will be molded to, um, to be a great player for North Carolina, likely as a, a nickel. So that's not technically the front seven, but it kind yeah. of sort of is. It's Gabe um, Stevens will kind of be that outside linebacker. Gabe, defensive end, Gabe right? Stevens, the, the outside linebacker rush guy. We were, we were talking earlier about Travion Stevenson, but Gabe Stevens was a guy really that North Carolina wanted heavily for that uh, the outside linebacker position and uh, got him very, very early on. So we don't talk about him a whole lot. But, I mean, mm-hmm. he uh, he's a, another kid who's a super athlete, actually played corner for a little bit, but has obviously grown into you know a hybrid outside linebacker defensive end. So he fits perfectly. Uh, yeah, just a, just a lot of really good players in that front seven from North Carolina, but really throughout there's, I mean, UNC got better. I mean, everyone's going to say that today. Every school is going to say that today, but I really think yeah. North Carolina got, got better a lot in a lot of different positions. <laughs> yeah. I mean, front seven of what strikes out to me, uh, stand, sorry, stands out to me. I mean, with Ritzy and Silver, I think you add just two elite um, high level. I don't know if you'd call Ritzy elite, but you know, really impact players. If you combine that with what UNC did in 2020, with um, Kedrick Bingley-Jones, Miles Murphy, who has become a, a kind of rotational player as a freshman, uh, Desmond Evans, who's been on the edge, Clyde Pinder, who's getting playing time now. Um, am I missing anybody from that class? I think that's it. But, you know, a stacked defensive front, you add Ritz and Silver, then you're looking at, you know, the 2022 20, season is going to be kind of – that's what kind of the defense is going to be, I think, elite. And then, of course, Dilworth and Eccles. And I think secondary-wise, too – um, what they did last year in the secondary with Grimes and Conley, 
who is and Grimes is supposed to be part of this class. Exactly. We don't talk about I mean, that. But you've either. heard about that a thousand times over the weekend watching the game. Yeah, well, yeah. You, you know, because that's all they talked about was just how he's supposed to be a high school senior and blah blah blah. Yeah, for sure. So, um, and yeah, I mean, talking to Dom Tavis and Ash, man, like he can bring as well. Um, and then I think the second area that's this, they, they got really good is, is the skill positions on offense. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we're covering like a lot of things. That's pretty much everything, but Drake may, he's an elite quarterback. We throw that word elite around a lot, but you know, he's a top 60 guy in the nation. One of the best quarterbacks in the class are here. Wilt Fong talk about Drake may a lot. And then, I mean, I think Gavin Blackwell, I know you're high on him. Um, and then JJ Jones, Bryson Nesbitt and Kobe Passor. I mean, you have, you have four pass catchers there all with good length, speed, and athleticism. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, J.J. Jones also. We, re- we did a, um, a game evaluation of him earlier this week also. So, and he has two fabulous plays that kind of just shows what, what he could potentially do. One where he just he broke a tackle, um, you know, put a juke move on a defender, and then ran you know, like 50 yards down the field for a uh, touchdown another where he made this spectacular grab where he was almost one-handed and knocked it down to himself and used his concentration to still make the grab even though he had a defender draped on him um so so yeah so i agree you know jj jones is gonna be a great player and and as you mentioned i'm a big fan of gavin um definitely going to be a yapper out there which i always love you love that he talks shit okay uh and i, like, I mean you've talked high about caleb hood and you'll hear, not to t- give away too much, but, but Steve and Barton both uh, have some strong comments about Hood and what he could potentially do. Uh, and we assume that he's going to play running back. So you have Hood coming in at running back, and you have Kamara Edmonds, another kind of forgotten player in my mind, who was a four-star guy. There's so many four-stars, we forget about him. Whereas mm-hmm. in previous classes, you he's... know, the four-stars are kind of rare. So you're... Yeah, you lose, lose track. Yeah, four-stars everywhere. One, one weakness, I would say, in this class is just uh, – you know, Eli Sutton is the is offensive tackle along with Diego Pounds. These guys are, are good ranking-wise. I, I, I always want them to, you know, oversign. And, and I think UNC needs to start getting elite offensive linemen, um, top 100 kids that can, you know, be difference makers. Um, I think that's where UNC has kind of lacked in the last couple of years. Um, your thoughts there? Anything? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Both of those guys had the physical tools. Um, and, but are more finesse sort of blockers at this stage of their careers. And um, you kind of have to have a little bit of a meanness. And I'm not sure that either one of those or those, neither one of them have shown that in their film to date. And maybe that changes in college where they, they have to kind of fight a little bit for playing time. Whereas in high school, they basically, I mean, I, Pounds has only played a couple of years also. And so mm-hmm. basically with his size, he just shows up and he's the best player on the field most, most Friday nights. It's obviously going to be different in college. For sure. All right, Don, that's all I got. I mean, is there anything else you want to talk about with this class? I and mean, we've covered it, you know, constantly for the last year, I felt, um, and we, we touched on uh, we've touched on every commitment pretty much. We touched on uh, the, the developments class, and, and really sitting here on Tuesday, you know, looking ahead to Wednesday, there's really no drama. There's no surprises. In, well, we past... hope there's no drama. Yeah. Well, there's no there's no expected drama. Well, so yeah, if there's there no... is. We might have to do an emergency podcast. Yeah, well, you know, last year with Clyde Pinder, like kind of going into the week and that day, we were waiting for Clyde Pinder to kind of be fully committed and that lasted throughout signing day right uh yes yes um that was a little weird situation because of florida kind of trying to yeah. steal him at the last 
minute. And, and then once they North Carolina kind of convinced him to, to sign, mm-hmm. um, then he played some games with when he was going to send it in. <laughs> and then he was, he had. said that he had some sort of he showed up to he showed up to school late, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense because this is one of the biggest school days of, of his entire career <laughs> because you're signing your letter of intent, but you're going to show up to late school late and then he had to take a test. And then he told me he didn't send in his letter of intent. And it turns out that he actually did. So he lied to me. And it, it just this whole mess. Never, never lie to Donnie Scoops. Yeah. Uh, and you had, of course, you had uh, Tim Brewster just tweeting through it. Yes, Tim Brewster. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you, I mean, usually, usually there's some drama. Do you like, miss Tim Brewster? Oh, uh, yeah, I love the guy. I mean, I love. You miss his, his tweets. tweets? I love, yeah, miss his, his tweets. tweets are okay. Yeah, his, his tweets are fire. Sitting next to Mac Brown, going up I eighty five, just smiling ear to ear. Like what? <laughs> Changing a tire on eighty five, heading to Charlotte. We, we have the answers to the tw- test, but not the questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like. Uh, so funny. I mean, I, I like Tim Brewster. I'm, I'm, I'm a family friend of the Brewsters. Um, let's see. What else? What else? What else? I was going to say something. Oh, yeah. With drama, like usually in the past, having covered a couple signing days myself, you have maybe an announcement going on where one guy's picking between three schools. Um, you know, so that kind of draws, you know, you have the announcement at two o'clock and it kind of draws a lot of traffic and you're kind of covering the announcement. That was that receiver that Gunnar Brewer was going for. I remember I had a big announcement. He picked Auburn. Do you remember that? That wide receiver like three years ago, three, four years ago? Was it? Um, Maybe five years ago, honestly. God, I don't uh, – I'm trying to think of who it was. Yeah. Um, but you have things like that where Yeah, players, well, so I think it's none, important there's – There's none of that this year. Well, yeah, for North Carolina, there's not. But I think it's important to mention that it is going on at other programs, mm-hmm. though. They're dealing with that. And I think some of that, too, is just how Mac – Brown operates or how he, how he, his, his preference for how he attacks recruiting. And he did this at Texas too. He wants his class wrapped up as soon as possible. And I've had a lot of different sources kind of mention just, I mean, it's kind of known, but just the extent of it and just the, the pressure there is to get this, the class wrapped up so quickly so that it can move on to the next one. That's why I think we're going to see, you know, a couple commitments pretty quickly right after signing day. Yeah, and um, I mean, it's good for UNC. There's no stress. They had a coach last week. I mean, some people are going through coaching changes. Some people are preparing for um, championship games. And UNC is certainly focused now on 22 and 23. I mean, this class has been locked up now after the Bryson Nesbitt commitment, but really locked up, I think, since the summer, uh, just cementing those commitments and kind of moving on. And and then you get offers out for 22-23. And, you know, once the whole COVID thing kind of wraps up, here you'll get a completely different change in how recruiting is done based on what happened the last uh, nine months all right don anything else big boy no i'm ready to get to these interviews i think that the listeners are going to enjoy it how excited are you to hang out with me tomorrow i am i am so excited all right well we'll big spread tomorrow i'm gonna get some donuts gonna get some bojangles all right (laughs) um thanks for listening guys that's it for our portion next up uh, actually first giant t-shirt make sure your giant t-shirts holiday season Use the promo code on InsideCarolina.com on the premium message boards. Get yourself some sweatshirts, Christmas gifts. I actually need to go there. I might go there today, actually. I need to get my niece and nephew something um, from Giant T-Shirt. So I'm going to go there and get some stuff out. I, Christmas shopping, it's just, I hate it. And everything's like backlog now. Like I'm trying to get stuff delivered. And it's like, this is not going to arrive until January 5th. I'm like, well, that's not going to work. Christ was born yeah, on uh, the 25th. You need, you need to start sooner. 
Yeah, you know, I'm not a huge gift guy, not a material possessions guy. I know you are. Oh, I got to tell you. All right, so giant t-shirt. <laughs> go, go giant t-shirt, get all your stuff. I mean, it's awesome. Like, it's a one-stop shop for all UNC stuff, and you can't have enough UNC gear, anything you need, stuff for the kitchen, stuff for the house, posters, pictures, uh, accessories, gear, gloves, hats. I might go get a toboggan. Call me crazy. Uh, sweatshirts. All right, and before we go, Don, I got a text from a buddy who is Uh-oh. obviously on Inside Carolina reading about the live stream. And this is, I'm going to read every text he just sent me. He's a oh, big, no. big fan of the podcast. His name is Wayne House. He said, sorry, you and Don, man tower tomorrow, two liters of Mountain Dew, beef jerky, text flying, info, scoop. Don, definitely an Android guy, makes you think. <laughs> I'm not sure what all that means. Yeah. All right, guys. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. We have Steve Wiltfong and Barton Simmons. We appreciate you listening to Scoop. Happy National Signing Day. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we're back now with 24-7 Sports' director of recruiting steve wiltfong what's going on steve gentlemen man we are looking dope for this podcast (laughs) i'm so excited to be on with y'all because what a time to talk about north carolina recruiting number 12 class nationally a year after getting number 13 and that's with your class jewel already playing in the secondary for north carolina in a season that really doesn't count for him he should still be in high school in tony grimes but it does count for his development Mm -hmm. But I want to count him in this class because it would be a top 10 class. I wish we could. But them's the rules, number two in the ACC. How about y'all? How you guys doing? Yeah, hey, Don, that's the kind of energy I want you to bring to this podcast. That's that's how you intro. It's going to be tough to match. Yeah. It's going to be tough to match. Steve is definitely slamming down those uh, power drinks, those energy drinks. I'm just smoothies, guys. You got you put a little – you put the mixed berries in, obviously. <laughs> and get the banana. You got spinach. You got you cucumber. Go. Man, not if we have them, some chia seeds for the fiber and, and added protein. And that's your base. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure Don knows any of those ingredients. Um, I, right. Hey, I told you before, I'm about, all about the chia seeds. Throw them in my oatmeal. There we go. There we go. All right, let's get right into it. Um, 
We're bringing on Steve on Signing Day, the Signing Day podcast, to talk about UNC's 2021 class. We're going to get through a bunch of questions here, get kind of a natural persp- uh, national perspective, and also break down particular players that, that we think can have a big impact uh, in Chapel Hill. Let's get right into it. Don, you want to take the first question here? Yeah, I was actually first going to ask Steve about uh, his general takeaways, but I think he did a really good job covering all that when he first came on. So I'll just go right into it. You know, I want to know when you're looking at North Carolina's commitment list or signee class, really, um, the 18 guys, who is who do you think is going to be the best college player and who do you think is going to be the best NFL player among those 18? All right, man. Well, so I think Drake May is going to be the best college player. I think he's going to be the best NFL player. Wow. Okay. I think he's arguably the top quarterback in this class. And it stinks that he didn't get to play his senior year. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a year J.J. Jones had, by the way. That's all you got. <laughs> right? Because uh, this class is so in-state heavy. But I think Eli Sutton played too, right, Don? Yeah. Yeah, and Kobe Pacer, he transferred across the state so he could play for Gaffney. Sure. Uh, I was just being, you know, exaggerative with, with the uh, lack of playing in this class and your updates from the Friday Night Lights or whatever. Yeah. Not much to write about. But No, it was not. I saw Drake May uh, at the quarterback collective event at the end of summer with my own eyes, working with guys like Sage Rosenfels. Uh, and, and I thought he was outstanding in that setting. Uh, just has a, a, a tremendous physical traits and abilities, but yet I still think he's developing uh, in, in that fashion. Just a smooth athlete, a good basketball player, had an outstanding junior year, would have had an even better senior year at Myers Park. And North Carolina, when you look at this football team, it's been an upgrade in every position room under uh, Mac Brown and his staff, but particularly at quarterback and, and on the defensive front, flipping Sam Howell. It's spatula season uh, a couple of years ago, uh, uh, and getting Sam Howell away from the Knowles was a, is crucial to pick up uh, that cycle, and it's certainly paid dividends on the field as y'all uh, have a, a big top 25 matchup this weekend against Miami. But uh, and then getting Jacoby Criswell, I forget if that was a flip special, um, but uh, was it? Was that a flip? No, he was no. going to get Arkansas to and Auburn. People tried to flip him, and yeah, they, yeah. For you, you're not a you're not special yeah. and worthy. Uh, and then and then they have Drake May coming behind. Uh, so I, I think he's terrific. But man, I mean, you could really point to a lot of guys in this class that are going to be special, and they're going to need them. Uh, next year, a lot of these guys are going to play early, uh, and, and it's going to be a youth movement. And, and and with that, you're going to have a talented football team that might drop a game or two that they're not supposed to, like Florida State this year. But I think in the long run, uh, uh, once this culture is completely in order and, and the talent is completely injected into the program, uh, we're going to see North Carolina playing uh, uh, for games that really matter week in and week out. So we'll stay on quarterbacks here for a second. Um, how is Drake made different than Sam Howell coming out of high school in terms of I mean, obviously physically they're different, but in terms of just like as a quarterback throwing uh, accuracy, that kind of stuff, how are they different? Well, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, like Drake may is just so much bigger than Sam. Yeah. I mean, I guess Sam's thick though. And, and, and Sam's like built like a catcher like Kyle Schwarber almost, but maybe a little taller than, than, than Schwarber. But uh, Sam Howe was a really good high school baseball player. He's a multi-sport kid that as a senior had an unbelievable senior season. And so the data shows that 
quarterbacks getting drafted high had outstanding juniors and senior years of high school football. And, and, and that's box checked for both Sam Howe and Drake May. Drake May obviously again only had the junior year, but he would have been prolific. Um, I don't, you know, you start to kind of forget something like Sam Howe. I saw him live a bunch, saw him at the Adidas seven on seven national championship, saw him at the elite 11 finals. He was just always in the upper echelon uh, of the performer. Saw him at the all America bowl for a week, just a gritty, tough, hard nosed competitor. Uh, in addition to the traits he brings to the field, both, I think I both, I think see the game slowly, particularly did on the high school level. Uh, the high school defenses were in slow motion and they were able to basically do what they want to do um, for Sam Howell. He was able to slow it down quickly in Chapel Hill. You know, we'll see if Drake may has that capability, especially without all those snaps this year. Now on the flip side, Drake may is not going to be counted on early. Um, so how much valuable snaps can he get as your scout team quarterback going against what should be a pretty damn talented young defense in, in, in practice, getting them prepared for whoever their opponent is uh, in the weeks to come. And I know Drake's going to come in with the mindset to compete and win the job, but you got to get him a ton of scout team snaps to make up for the senior year um, to get him the feel of the game and, and, and all of that. And in my opinion next year. So when his number's called, he, he's ready to go. All right. Well, let's go to kind of the opposite side. You, you kind of mentioned the top, the top group there with, with uh, Drake may what's a sleeper and underrated player that you think maybe is in the bottom of this class. You think will have the best career at UNC. Well, there's not very many underranked guys in this class. J.J. Jones is a kid that we have as a four-star at 24-7 Sports. He's a composite three. Mm -hmm. He goes out as a senior, 52 catches for 1,017 yards and 13 touchdowns. Excuse me. So he he uh, is a guy that I think is going to be uber productive, and obviously he's going to have some talented players that throw him the football. Bryson Nesbitt's another uh, who, who we have as a four star who, um, is he a composite three? No, he's, he's a composite four also, but six foot six, 235 pounds comes from outstanding, you know, lineage, um, with his dad having uh, a long NFL career. And, and, uh, did his mom play soccer in college? Who Who is that? Nesbitt. Nesbitt. Yeah. His mom played soccer for South Carolina. You're not paying attention, Don? So for all we I'm know, no, maybe she was the best athlete of the two and she, yeah. You can't go, you know, there are not many pro options that are very lucrative on that side. So, um, so anyway, he comes from great, great uh, uh, genes, cloth, what have you. And, and he's a guy that I think he put, he had a, ter his team was kind of terrible. Were they terrible, Don? Correct me again. They, yeah, they, terrible is, is a tough word to throw on. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I think. I don't think anyone would argue with that too much. Well, they got a, he's got a bright future, and I think uh, at North Carolina, he's really going to come into his own. There's a ton of trait there. I have two guys I want to ask you about. North Carolina did a really good job in the prior class on the defensive line, and they brought in two more blue-chip guys, four-star uh, defensive lineman, uh, Javari Ritzy, and then a five-star guy, Keyshawn Silver, where do you, we haven't asked a whole lot of, because you came on a couple of times and we've talked about Rara and, and a couple of other guys we talked about Drake a bunch, but I haven't asked you a lot about Keyshawn Silva. I'm really interested to, to kind of get your take on him and Ritzy. Well, so you asked me who I thought would be the best college player and best pro. And I went with Drake May, mm -hmm. 
but that wasn't like an easy decision, even though I answered the question so quickly. Uh, <laughs> um, because Keyshawn Silver and Jabari Ritzy are two guys that are also um, first round potential type players. Keyshawn Silver, especially, they were talking about a young man that's six foot six, 275 pounds with massive hands, massive feet. Who knows how big this young man's going to be? And he can play on the edge, he can play on the interior. Yeah, I could see him having a similar impact to what Brian Brzee is having at Clemson. Now, the thing about Brian Brzee that made him so special, in addition to his physical traits, is that nobody loves playing football more than Brian Brzee. Like at the All America Bowl, I know this isn't a Clemson show, but I'll get to the, the uh, <laughs> I'll get to the punchline in a second. But Brian Brzee would have practiced three times a day at the All America Bowl. If that's how many practices there were. He just loves playing football. Where some of those guys down there, it's a vacation. Mm-hmm. It's an honor to be there. This is get my Adidas gear and hang with these guys and have a good time and play bids and whatnot. The highlight for Brzee is playing football. If Keyshawn Silver has that kind of mentality and that motor, Brian Brzee's mm-hmm. motor is off the charts. If Keyshawn Silver brings that kind of motor, he's got unlimited potential with his size and athleticism. Uh, he can be one of the scariest players in college football. And, and then Jabari Ritzy's just that profile guy. Uh, um, 6'5", 274, again, can play on the edge, play on the interior, terrific shot put guy, and this, so he's explosive and powerful. Uh, um, his mom, I, I think, was a track athlete uh, mm-hmm. in, in college and is actually his track coach, so mm-hmm. it comes from a very competitive family. Uh, uh, so those are two guys that I expect to, to, to be difference makers, and we talk about the talented class at North Carolina signed on the defensive front last year, and I yeah. love those guys, but these two guys may be better, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, Miles Murphy is playing a lot already. Clyde Pinder's playing a lot already. Dez Evans has flashed a lot this season. Now, uh, what is it? Bingley Jones, Kedrick Bingley Jones goes injured. So he's not even uh, playing. turns on him, they knew he was going to be a stud as yeah. soon as mm-hmm. he got to campus. Like, you talk to people around the program. The way he looked physically when he showed up, I think, was pretty jaw-dropping. And, and again, all those young guys had to play, man. They, they just weren't very talented uh you know what they inherited wasn't very talented yeah yeah so i mean i mean unfortunately uh kedrick bingley jones was had a pretty bad injury in the spring so they'll get him back next spring so they're gonna have a they're really stacking up on the defense line with some elite players so that's definitely good to see for unc fans um i mean that kind of leads to my next question where do you think unc really got better in this class they obviously got the quarterback they wanted and we've already spoken on that but uh, what position group or, or what side of the ball do you think you can really point to that UNC improved uh, and enhanced their roster in the 2021 class? Well, again, I think it was across the board. I think there, I think there's a standard now at North Carolina that they're going to play championship level football and, and the culture's in place, but culture can still really only get you so far. You got to have some Jimmy's and Joe's that can do some things. And uh, last year's class and this year's class, they've elevated particularly, I mean, I mean, not, Offensive line is maybe the one place where I'm skeptical. Yeah. I'd you agree. know, because I think that they've added speed and physicality on all three levels on defense. Um, and uh, I think that they've landed guys that can score on one touch on offense. They've landed franchise caliber signal callers. And I think that they've landed wideouts that can be a real problem. So uh, if you're at looking for a question mark with this program, that's going to be the Achilles heel. And offensive line such a developmental position. 
jury's still out, uh, but I, I mean, there's not a ton of no brainers. So we'll see, you know, about player development at that position, but you know, Phil Longo, they, they can hang a, a big number on the scoreboard. Uh, um, and uh, so I, I'm confident that he's already shown he can hang a big number. I'm confident that the offensive line will at the, at the, at the least maintain status quo. Yeah, yeah, I've always, I've always thought UNC needs to kind of beef up this offensive line. They unfortunately are not graduating anybody, so there's not a lot of guys they can bring in um, this class. They have two that are signed in Eli Sutton and uh, and Don's boy there, uh, Diego Pounds. But Diego I, just, Pounds I just think they have talent. They, they need elite in the, on the offensive line. Don, that was a fun one to cover behind the scenes, Diego Pounds. Wasn't yeah, it? that was a that was a crazy one. How it just switched like that, you know. I really, I really love the way you actually wrote this, the commitment story too, because there were actually people on Inside Carolina that didn't believe the Penn State stuff that we were like building this thing up. Mm-hmm. We want, we just want to be right, right. Oh away. yeah. We don't want any curveballs. We don't want to lead you astray. And the kid was going to Penn State. North Carolina flipped it. And kudos. That, that was spatula season uh, a couple months ago because he was a silent commit to Penn State. North Carolina flipped it. What, yeah. did Don, what did Don do in that story that impressed you? It sounds like you're Don's PR guy right now. Don wrote it. <laughs> Don wrote it as such. If he would have wrote just the standard Diego Pounds uh, committed to North Carolina X, Y, Z, Y, then um, people could have still thought we had him the whole time, but they didn't. Ross, are you taking notes? Yeah. I mean, my, my recruiting – my recruiting, covering covering recruiting days are, are far in my rear view mirror. I'll let that to you, you guys. You up down with another question? Yeah, so obviously we there's a lot of buzz surrounding the program within the state, and that's proven by just how well they did in-state um, with this class. Next class, the in-state crop won't won't be nearly as, as good, so UNC is going to have to go out of state to, to, to fulfill some needs. Uh, but generally speaking, though, what – you're obviously not you don't live in the state you don't live anywhere near the state really <laughs> what's the buzz that you're hearing as far as or what's the perception of north carolina from, from recruits outside of north carolina well i can get a direct from indianapolis to charlotte and be there in, in a quick minute um <laughs> we gotta get I, steve up to the man tower don that's look, right I think, I think recruiting is such a relationship driven deal and obviously you see north carolina what they've been able to do in state they um you know, those relationships have paid off, but, you know, they've shown they can go into the seven, five, seven and have, have success. And that's going to be a place when you get Tony Grimes in the fold, you also get his dad and his dad's plugged into so many prospects in that area. And that's already on the verge of paying off in, in, in 2022. Um, but North Carolina is also a stock up program. Like literally they can just show you results on the field. And I think they're going to eventually be able to show you NFL draft results uh, under the staff. And so that, that speaks when you have to go out of region and North Carolina hasn't had to do that yet, but Mac Brown's a powerful name. They got results on the field and, and this staff has proven that they enjoy building relationships and they enjoy recruiting. And these guys have staff members that do have inroads in other places from past jobs that when they do have to maybe pivot in another cycle to more out of region guys, they'll be able to do it seamlessly. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, both quarterbacks have been from the Charlotte area. So it was just natural. They landed Sam Howell and Drake May. So when they're going to have to start getting quarterbacks from outside the state, 
which looks like it's going to be the case. They've already and, proven that they, they got Jacoby Criswell. True. And then they, yeah. True. And then they hung on to him and, and Sam Howe and Drake may were flips. Those guys were headed to, you know, Florida state and Alabama respectively. And so that was just, that stuff translates anywhere you're going, as long as they're your top target. Sure. It's easier to get local guys to your campus and stuff, but North Carolina could be on the verge of being a national level college football program. We'll see what they do next year, but I love the way it's trending. All right, so uh, to put off that, Steve, I mean, what has to happen to get into the top 10? I mean, what do you think has to really change in terms of is it just winning, consistent winning, or, or when, when are we going to see UNC getting, you know, top 10 classes back to back to back? Is that going to happen? Is that possible? Well, they're kind of recruiting in that sweet spot that Clemson was recruiting when they built their program up where they've landed some touted guys. But you also have to hit big on your – less like your less touted guys that you didn't beat out the Alabamas of the world for they have to be hits for you that are you know guys that can be difference makers against the Clemsons of the world and so that's kind of where North Carolina's program is at right now if they can win an ACC title or something that puts you in a different breath right Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. right now their program is going to be built on landing some elite guys but at the same time landing guys that maybe you beat you know a handful of other power five schools for but it wasn't the quote-unquote you know contenders um but those are guys that can help you beat those contenders Uh, you got to be right there as well and so that's the window that's where north carolina is at right now so um, we'll see if they can elevate some of those guys that are on the back end of their class but uh most of their class was ranked high this this cycle and and uh you know, they got to go out on the field and, and win an ACC title. But, you know, I like the way they're chipping away at it. All right, Steve, we're going to kind of get you out on this one. Uh, I want you to take a look at the UNC's 2021 signing class. And obviously, we've talked about a bunch of the big names, Drake May, Javari Ritzy, um, Keyshawn Silver. But if you look kind of throughout the class and names that aren't as big that we haven't talked about, maybe you haven't seen in a while, but you've seen some of their tape, you've seen some of their – uh, you evaluate some of them. What names jump out to you that fans should be ready for, should, fans should get to know that, that maybe just aren't the, the big names we're used to? So here's another young man, and this is going to make me go look at something. Yeah, to take your time here. Caleb Hood is another guy that we have as a four-star that the industry doesn't. So to go back, to pivot to your last question, what does North Carolina have to do to get top 10 classes? If you take out the composite and you just look at our rankings, they're number nine. Mm. So what a funny, what a funny world we live in, Don, where last year we couldn't do anything right with our rankings on Inside Carolina. You guys are slating against North Carolina. You have this uh, vendetta against UNC. So how year. can how can this be correct that you have a have North Carolina higher than ESPN and rivals? Well, we have them nine this cycle, and I just want the love when it's deserved, when the hate is – I mean, I'm good with the hate too. Y'all are passionate, but bring us the love when we – we got you at number nine, and Caleb Hood is another one that, like, this kid's just a great football player, and he's a tremendous athlete, and his debt comes from good pedigree, like several other people in this class, and I just don't see how Caleb Hood is not a major impact player uh, during his time at North Carolina. I mean, he's physically going to be ready to go when he gets on campus. He's phys- he's going to be one of the most athletic players on the team when he gets on campus. I think he's a high IQ kid as well. Uh, he's made plays under center on the high school level. I just... I'm excited to see where North Carolina puts him and see what he does. And Don, you think he's going to be a running back, right? Yeah, and we actually – it's great timing for this um, 
for, for Steve's answer because we, we ran a story on him, in-depth background on his commitment and his father and his father training him through basically from the age of three on the website. So if, if you haven't read that story, um, you're listening to this, make sure you, you check that out to get a little bit more in-depth on, on Caleb Hood. So yeah, no, I definitely agree. He's, he's, he's a running back through and through. Your guys' rivalry with NC State could get fun because they got a pretty fun team coming back next year too, and they have a sleeper good recruiting class. So I know y'all – I think you guys served them up pretty good this year. Mm-hmm. So I know on your guys' end you guys want to keep that rolling, but uh, um, they kind of bounce back this year and, and have a good class coming in too. So looking forward to maybe this North Carolina-NC State rivalry being must-see TV uh, when typically well- – do they play on rival? I don't even know what week they play. Is it typically on rivalry week also? It's so buried. Typically, like- but not this year. But the thing, too, is that the in-state guys, in-state recruits this year were so good that UNC could dominate like they did, and there were just so many leftovers for NC State. I know that's going to sound like a shot at NC State, but it's the absolute truth. I mean, NC State got some guys that UNC just didn't have room for. They were, like, legit dudes. No, no doubt. Well, I, I'm just looking for it. That game could be uh, two top 25 teams mm-hmm. towing uh, the white line next year and, and be one that I actually know what time it starts and plays on Saturday when you're also got the Iron Bowl and Michigan, Ohio State and, and, and uh, Notre Dame and USC and who some of the other games that are typically played on that weekend. Yeah, I think in state had a, a very surprising season this year based on where they're expected to finish and I think UNC fans want to keep Dave Doran in Raleigh as long as possible. He's kind of becoming uh, pretty mediocre with some ups and some downs. So we'll see Dude, what They've only there. had one 10-win season in their whole history of football. So it's not like – I mean, like you say yeah. mediocre. Like, they, you know, <laughs> Dave Doran's actually been pretty damn good based on past. Yeah, uh, they had two 9-win seasons uh, back when we had that, that sick defensive line uh, sure. three or four years ago. All right, Steve, we appreciate your time. That was great. Uh, enjoy the rest of National Signing Day. Don, any, any parting words for, for Steve? No, I just always appreciate Steve coming on here. we got to have him on more frequently this, uh, this coming cycle. You guys are the best, and I'm so glad that I got to put a blazer over a hoodie. That's, right. a, <laughs> that's a very underrated look. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're looking stylish today. All right, yeah. good stuff. We appreciate it, Steve. We'll be right back with more on the Scoop podcast. Take care, y'all. And now we bring on Barton Simmons, the director of scouting for 24-7 Sports, uh, to join us to talk about the uh, 2021 UNC signing class. What's going on, Barton? What's up, guys? How are you? Signing day plopped right here in the middle of basically the regular season. Kind of kind of hectic, but uh, we're good, man. How are y'all? I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. <laughs> good stuff. I'm always good when I'm on the, on the road, on the call with uh ross that's right ross ross is the highlight of my week ross we'll get- the legends the ross ross's um shout out by mac on the zoom calls just <laughs> gives, me, gives me so much enjoyment yeah and i mean a little background here i mean uh bart and i used to work together in the office so uh, i know barton decently well from i guess two or three years in headquarters i'm assuming y'all aren't going in on anymore are y'all i haven't been in the office uh since uh, February, I think. Oh, wow. is, is anyone going in? Uh, Pate goes in a little bit to record things from time okay. to time. We're actually gotcha. moving downtown. Office headquarters are moving downtown Nashville. So next time you visit, mm-hmm. you'll be able to stumble right out the front door and onto Broadway if you want to. 
Yeah, Barton's a Nashville legend too. Grew up in Nashville. Um, I when I was working there, uh, I would love National Sign Day because we have a huge buffet. We have Andy cooking pancakes. We have uh, breakfast bought, brought in, lunch, dinner, champagne. It was awesome. And I would go back even when I moved to Chapel Ross Hill. loves free food, so right. if it's free, it's for Ross. <laughs> I think it they know what that. it was. I think they know that there too. All right, <laughs> well, let's get into it here. We have a, a couple of questions here for Barton. First of all. I mean, Barton does the rankings, a lot of the rankings for uh, the prospects for 24-7 sports, him and his team. I just wanted to ask kind of that process, and now that we're at the culmination of this class, or I guess I guess February is actually the culmination, can you kind of go into that process for you and your team and ranking each prospect in these classes at 24-7 sports? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a loaded question to sort of, you know, I'm not sure where, which way to attack it. Uh, it is obviously a very in-depth process i mean we're, we're literally ranking thousands of kids um mm-hmm. like one through thousands and so it's it is uh there's there's a lot of i i under like there's a fan perspective where you see your commits and oh this guy moved down and this guy moved up and it's very uh narrow in terms of the way you look at it and and not, not that it should be anything other than that because that's what you're interested in um but uh, obviously from our perspective uh, we've got a much broader view, um, and and we've got uh, so many prospects to try to pull from. And I, and I get a lot. I, I, part of my job is to sort of be the whipping boy on rankings day, and look, I'm sort of the face of the rankings. And I get a lot of heat, and I understand it. And I, that's I, no complaints. It is what it is. Um, but the but it's not my rankings. It's I, I chair it, I chair the committee in which a lot of different opinions. Are, are, are bandied about. We try to gather as much feedback as we can from our network. Uh, we try to make our rankings as informed as possible using every resource at our disposal. And that includes colleges, that includes uh, our network, that includes in-person evaluations, everything else. So again, you know, we could have a whole podcast on the rankings process, but it's, um, it's, it's thankless, but it's also very enjoyable. So I got, I got no complaints. How many times are you going in and re-ranking kids from, I mean, you start when they're like freshmen, sophomores, I imagine high school, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, we have the first ranking of a class as a top 100 heading into their sophomore season. Um, and, and then that class will be pushed out to a top two, four, seven following their sophomore years. Uh, and then from there on, we, we rank, I guess a couple more times over the course of, of that sort of pre junior year cycle. And then as, as juniors, as they come into the spotlight, we rank them almost monthly um, is sort of what we've turned to in our process. We, we update the, we update either the senior juniors or sophomore class every month, every month, there's a new top two, four, seven rankings release. And so um, again, there's a lot that goes into those. There's a lot of uh, uh, there's, there is a lot of information that we're trying to wrangle and, and inject into the rankings. There's a lot of evaluations. We're not going to see everybody and we're going to see some guys more than others. And there's a lot of um, understood just sort of subconscious bias that might be in there just based on who we've seen, who we haven't seen and things of that nature. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think the, the end product is something I'm very proud of because I, I graded every year. I, we, we projected to the NFL draft. Um, a five-star is a guy we project as first round pick. A four star is a guy we project as a draft pick. And every year I, I grade out each of our rankings versus rivals versus ESPN and compare it to the NFL draft and figure out who was the most accurate. And we've 
we've been the most accurate every year I've done it. And oh. so that's, um, that's something I'm proud of. And I know that gets a little, it's a little footnote that no one else but me probably cares about, but it's something that, but it is ultimately our goal. Our goal is to be accurate and, and um, we're, we're going to continue to try to get more accurate. Yeah. So when you rank the 32 top players in the incoming your 2021 class, that's what you're projecting mm-hmm. to be the 32 first round picks, I guess, based on ability because you can't project need in the mm-hmm. NFL, but that's kind of how you look at it. Awesome. One more thing. I think we, I mean, we should have Barton on maybe mid, mid-year for like a whole yeah. podcast about ranking and scouting because that's really interesting. We don't have too much time for that. But what's the, what's the hardest thing about your job? What's the, what's the challenges of whether it be the ranking part, the, the scouting part, or, or dealing with the, the DMs and the calls on Twitter? I mean, what do you find the hardest part of your job? I think um, – I think you're, trying you're dealing with, to – Dealing with Trey Scott – <laughs> I, I think honestly, it's just trying to like, cause ultimately um, it's impossible for us to put together an honest product where we are moving guys around. Like, look, the, I think the hardest part is, is the battle of trying to be uh, accurate in our rankings um, and, 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 and the accuracy in the, in the, uh, the attempt and the and the sort of striving for that accuracy, and the inevitability of like the the bitterness that that's going to cause. Because like the perfect, if if it was my up to me, we would not re- if we didn't care about um, just sort of informing the users, but all we cared about was accuracy. Then I wouldn't release a ranking until January after their senior seasons, right? Mm-hmm. But but the process to get there is what really sort of pisses people off and and it's and the the need to drop a guy from a four star to a three star because we want to be accurate while still acknowledging the guy's still a good player like those sort of things yeah. you know being being forced to on a message board to tell a, a, a fan base what I don't like about a guy who is ranked 50th in the country you know yeah. like that yeah. those sort of questions are just like well I mean he's one of the best players in America, but I, but, but you moved him down from 30 to 50. Um, yeah, you're right. I did, but he's still the 50th best player in America. Like those sort of, um, uh, binds that we, that we are sort of forced to, to get ourselves into based just on the process of, of ranking players is frustrating. And it's, uh, and, and yeah, rankings days typically aren't that fun because people are just, you know, posting memes about me or whatever, but <laughs> It is what it is, and it's you know we'll we'll take the good with the bad. Yeah, it's like people that complain and and do all that stuff. They also pay our bills, so it's kind of like the, the hardcore fans that care are the ones that yeah. the reason why we're doing this and the reason True. why we have these crazy message boards and crazy recruiting followings. Don, True, we appreciate them. Yeah, right. yeah, before we get to UNC's actual class, I did have one more question about the rankings. This year was unique to say the mm-hmm. least for for you. Um, what were some of the challenges kind of working things that were, I guess, taken away from you um, as far as abilities to rank certain guys, what were, I guess, some of the the most, most difficult things to overcome? Well, I anticipate this being our least accurate rankings we've ever had. I mean, um, then that's, you know, that's, that's just honest because we've had less opportunity. We've had less access to the critical tools we need to, to evaluate. Now I'll say this, I think in the early going when there was no camps and no combines and we weren't on the road and uh, the, the typical process was disrupted for us. This is back in the spring, right? Um, 
I think coming out of that spring, we might have had our most accurate rankings in sort of in that t- uh, relative to other rankings we've released in that time period because it forced us to dig back in on junior film in a more comprehensive way than we ever really had time to, frankly, before. So there's a, there's a give and a take, you know, to, if you're on the road, you might be discovering some more guys, you might be adding context to players and, 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 you know, um, being able to, to unearth some players that you wouldn't otherwise have that opportunity to when you're sitting at home. But again, the time and energy we put into digging into junior tape probably served us well in, in, in a way that is, 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 you know, we've had difficult, you know, we just don't have, there's only so many man hours in the day. Um, but, you know, to go basically a full calendar year now without really any extensive in-person evaluations. Now we've had some guys on the road and they've seen some games this fall and those have been helpful certainly. And there's, there's even some camps across the, the spring and summer. So I'm not acting like we haven't seen anybody, but uh, to the level we typically do. And now you've got look at North Carolina, like there's we have no senior tape on, mm-hmm. on these guys, you know, in California, there's, I mean, look, maybe they play in the spring. Um, we'll see how that even goes, but there's just the, the lack of in-person evaluations, the lack of, of information, the, the information deficit we're working with. And even the, you know, we, we really re- lean a lot on information that we're getting from college coaches and the information they're getting that is advantageous to us is seeing them in camp, testing them, mm-hmm. running forties, uh, getting their height and weight. All that stuff is, I mean, that's just a whole um, funnel of information that we don't have access to. And so uh, there are def- definitely challenges in this cycle and um, it's uh, we're going to do the best we can. And I still think we'll, we'll put out a good product, but there's no question. I mean, we'd, we, we'd rather it to be the other way where we can uh, feel even more informed. You know, sticking to the dif- difficulty theme, when you look at North Carolina's 18 signees, who was, I guess, the one guy that was the most difficult to evaluate and rank? Um, I would say probably Rara Dilworth. Okay. Um, because I think guys like him, you know, like there was a, there, there was frame question marks there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so is, and there's athleticism, which is not a question at all. And I think anytime you've got a player like that, like there, there's a really wide range of possibilities, I think with him, um, like he could be a first round draft pick. It wouldn't shock me if, if, if his body, if his body develops in the right way, if his, you know, if he, um, you know, if, if, if he, puts on some good weight. If he keeps his athleticism, like there's all kinds of ways in which this guy could be like a freak show on the next level. But I think there are, there's also a, a way where that could go where it's like, well, he's just, I mean, I know, I know there's other schools that are just very concerned about his, his size, just Mm -hmm. purely the frame Mm -hmm. and the limitations that might be on it. And, and so is, is there, there, there is the other way, right? There is the the way where it's just, I don't know, he's sort of like a tweener and the body type never quite gets where it's supposed to be. And, and so I think because of that, it is a little hard. Like we could, we could have him way too high or we could have him way too low. 
And, uh, and that's, it's just sort of a matter of perspective, uh, in terms of what you like and what you're looking for and, and what you think you can do. But a lot of it is just about how he's going to project and develop over the next uh, two or three years. Yeah. So Ra Ra Dilworth at six two one ninety three. Don, is he really six two? Yes. Yeah. So okay. he came to a couple, he actually went to a bunch of camps this fall. And, um, and I think that the, I, I updated his, his height and weight in the, gotcha. in the, 24-7 sports database. So whatever that has is the most accurate. So what position is he, do you think, Barton? I mean, I think with Bateman, Jay Bateman at UNC, they're gonna, they can move him around so much. But, I mean, when you project him to his, maybe his NFL position, where do you see him kind of being the best fit? Yeah, I mean, look, I think he's he has an aptitude for linebacker. He's, he uh, seems well-equipped uh, to play that position from a um, mentality standpoint. Um, and, and certainly kind of that space linebacker position, sort of a hybrid role, it would be ideal for him. But I do think that when we were debating and discussing him in our, in our rankings, and again, this was really conversations that we had a while back because we haven't really been, um, we, we hadn't talked about him recently, but the, you know, the, the plus is, is that, look, if he doesn't, if he can't do linebacker, he's still plenty athletic enough to be a safety, to be like a true safety. Like there's, there's, there's safety prospects that would love that athleticism. And so we're, we're kind of okay. We got a couple bullets to fire here. Um, even if he's, if he, even if he isn't like as, as experienced playing a true safety role, um, there is, there, there's reason to believe that he could get there and, and that that's within his, his capability. So um, I think that's what I like about him, but no, I, I think ideally, he, he continues to develop, and he is just a super uh, freakazoid linebacker. Great. Okay, so looking at this class, UNC's 2021 class right now ranked uh, number 13 in the nation. It keeps moving up and down. We're recording this a little bit early, a little inside baseball for the podcast listeners out there. Which prospect um, do you think is the best, will be the best college player? I mean, it kind of goes along with this. We'll have maybe the best NFL career when you look at this whole class. Okay. Um, I think the, I mean, I guess the answer to both of those questions could be the same guy, right? Of course. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, the, the guy that I think has the highest ceiling in this class is Keyshawn Silver. And by the way, as I'm talking, you guys let me know if you agree or disagree. I want to hear if you all have different different opinions. I'm a huge Keyshawn Silver fan. Uh, and I have been for a, for a long time just because of his size and his athleticism. I've seen him move in person. He moves really well. He's a little bit – he reminds me like a, like mentality and personality-wise, he reminds me a little bit of um, Eric Ebron, which obviously is a completely mm-hmm. different position, but just a little bit of immaturity, I guess, but not in a bad way, just a little goofy, little yeah. – um, Got a little dog you know. in him. Got a little dog in him, right? No, I'm not I'm – not, I mean, Eric Ebron was, what, top 10 pick, you know? I'm saying, but, like, he, he's got a little mentality of, like, a yeah. – you know. He's gonna, he's he's you worry sometimes if he takes it serious. Not mm-hmm. like he's gonna be slacking off and and eating during practice, but definitely a goofiness. Definitely will play around sort of thing. Um, and you can see it on Twitter. But I mean, as far as like the tools, I mean, I mean, he has as much tools as any guy coming out of North Carolina that I can recall. I think he plays a position where that critique doesn't doesn't worry me as much yes uh, yeah. you know like if, hey look all you gotta do is just you know 
hey, know, know what your your stunts, your games are. You know, you're in, uh, on on the line of scrimmage, pin your ears back, and and get, get the quarterback, or, yeah. or just you know just punch what's in front of you. I mean, I know that simplifies things a little bit too much, but it's it is. I think that's a guy that is. And look, I say this a lot, and I think this is an for me an important tool in in what um, how you like other athletic settings that you can see these guys in rather than especially rather than just straight up highlight film. The thing that sells me on Keyshawn Silver is his basketball clips. Yeah, the explosiveness, the 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 suddenness, the twitch, the just like quick quick leapability. That stuff is uh, off the charts for a guy that big, and I feel like it's. Uh, I feel like he's he's very he's scratching the surface. Like I think yes. there's a long way to go for him, mm-hmm. and so maybe, maybe there's a maybe there's maybe a lower floor on him than some other guys in this class. But he certainly has to me the highest ceiling and the guy that could you can make a lot of money if he if he uh, channels things the right way. Yeah, and he's a guy who really would have benefited from a senior season. You know, he just needed another Absolutely. season. There's a couple guys in this class like that. Honestly, it's kind of yes. disappointing. I mean, uh, I, th- I I thought about that too with um, the Nesbitt kid, a tight end. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's a guy that could have used a senior season. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah. So so going to the opposite question, you know, who do you when you're looking at this class, who do you think are the sleepers or sleeper in this, uh, from North Carolina's uh, signees? We're kind think- of that. We're kind of that with someone like kind of below the ranking of like 278, which would put you below kind of Nesbitt and Nash. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking at, I'm just looking at the commit list, um, yeah. which is, which is using the, com, the uh, composite, composite ratings. Yeah. 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 And the guy that I think is potentially a monster. Mm. Is, I think I know who you're going to talk about is your, the second lowest rated commit yeah. according to the composite, which is Caleb hood. Yeah. I, I am very disappointed that we don't have senior film to watch with him because mm-hmm. he is, I mean, he's, you just, I mean, if you, first of all, he's, he has tested like a, like a monster. Like he's got the verified numbers that point to the athleticism. Secondly, if you just, you can just look at it on film and look at the way he's put together. He is a, he is an impressive dude. And again, another, another sort of um, thing that I really value when looking at these high school players, it's, it's great if you can go out there and you can, you look sharp in the old ladder drill. You know, if you play seven on seven every weekend and you're really good at your wide receiver position and all that, that's, that's great. But I love it in high school when a guy is just, just a good, just better athlete in whatever he's doing than everyone else. And that's what it feels like with Caleb Hood. You know, he plays quarterback. He's, you know, he's quarterback film's not bad. Um, and, and just the things he can do athletically and, you know, he's used to hold the ball in his hands. He's, he's used to being in the spotlight. Um, I, I think, I think that could do, could be really, really good. Well, I wonder how much of his rankings were, in, were, um, affected by the fact that most of his, all of his film basically is, is of him at quarterback mm-hmm. and, and especially the fact that prior to his commitment, he wanted to, or the perception was he was going to play quarterback. I mean, do you think that that hindered him at all? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think we, look, I, I don't even really remember um, sort of what the process was in the evolution of the way we looked at him, because I feel like he may have been lumped in there with the quarterbacks in the first sort of yeah. comb through of the rankings. 
And then as we got a little, like as we sort of shifted the way we looked at him as sort of not, not a quarterback, but just an athlete. Mm -hmm. I think that's when we bumped him to a four-star and, and frankly, I think, I don't know if we bumped him high enough and, and we'll have an opportunity to sort of um, deliberate on that and see, see what kind of moves we are, are feel comfortable making with guys that didn't play senior seasons. But I, I do think that's a guy that you could certainly make a case is uh, based on just his, the, the, the tools, the athletic traits and those sort of things that he, he could be worth taking another look at. So what was what position for for Hood? Did we say running back? That's what I mean. The funny thing is that uh, we had uh, Wilt Fong on. Wilt Fong on, and he said Hood is a sleeper as well. So what, what yeah, position? I, I mean, what what are they what are they saying? What's North Carolina saying? Do you know? I mean, they absolutely love him, especially as but, a running back. I mean, a running back. Is that oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's he's coming in as a running back. Okay. And yeah. that was kind of a decision they allowed him to make. But that was especially. You know, I just saw him a couple weeks ago at a camp. I mean, he looks like a running back. I mean, he looks like a college running back right now. Just, just mm -hmm. the, the good weight that he's put on. You go look on his Twitter and it's all these clips of him lifting and maxing out and, and all that. And so he's, he's definitely been taking advantage of the extra free time to, to bulk up and add some good weight. So he's, I saw, I saw he's listed as what, six, one, two thirty one right now. Is that, did you put that in? Is that yeah, new? that's, that, that was, that was, came from a combine. Thick. Yeah. That's and then he ran thick. a, he ran a four or five electric time 40. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's a, yeah, that's scary right there. I mean, that could be, I mean, obviously that would be, that's a, a dream linebacker right there too, if he wants to do that. But, um, but at, at running back, it's pretty, that's, that's pretty strong as well. Funny thing is Don is like six foot, like two forty, but it's not, all, <laughs> it's not all good weight. All right. Uh, let's move on here. All right. Quarterbacks, Barton, um, obviously they're signing Drake may, we have him rank. Let's see here. You know, it's fifty-seven high, six-five to ten. You know, that high four-star area. Could you compare him to what they have in the quarterback room right now with Jacoby Criswell, who came in last year, and of course Sam Howell, because they'll overlap by one year. And so, what are they getting in Drake May, and how would you compare him to Criswell and Howell? Uh, I think Criswell is, to me, Criswell is like a little. I think Howell is more of a um, imposing sort of uh, uh, what, what's the best way to phrase this? Like uh, he has more horsepower, like just you know, like a like a power pitcher kind of, like a big kid who's got some athleticism that can hit everywhere on the field. Criswell, like one of the a one of the things that struck me about Criswell, and I don't know if this has uh, translated or, um, or or reflected. Uh, it has been reflective of what he'd been like in college, but it's, he struck me as a guy with a really nice um, uh, personality about him and uh, mm -hmm. some, some leadership qualities, some intangibles. Mm -hmm. um, he's, he is a little bit less toolsy uh, for lack of a better phrase than, than Drake may, but um, is, is athletic uh, when he's healthy uh, is accurate uh, from what I could tell and seeing him in person last cycle and I, I feel like it feels like a guy that could sort of be, be a, be kind of a tough guy to beat out. Um, I, I guess like I could see him being someone that is a little bit pesky, even for a guy as highly touted as Drake may to come in and, and just try to just knock him off. Um, that said, I mean, Drake may was another one that would have been nice to see this year. I mean, he had like 50 touchdowns of two interceptions as a junior. Um, he was, he's very accurate. I know he had a really loaded wide receiver group to throw to, and so sometimes it's a little bit hard to, I mean, those guys were making plays for him. Um, 
But I think that 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 can be viewed as a negative, but it can also be viewed as a positive. Like one of the thing, reasons I like Joe Burrow's ability to translate into the NFL was because he was making NFL throws to NFL receivers in college. And he understands what those windows look like, what those guys can do. I think the same thing could be said for a guy like Drake may who comes from the high school game. That's used to being like, well, all right, well, I know, I know I don't have to put it in a perfect spot, like out in front of the receiver. I know what a back shoulder fade looks like. I know what throwing him open looks like. Cause these guys can make plays for me. And so I think some of that can, can serve him well on the next level as well. But look, He's big, he's athletic, he's strong-armed, he's everything you want to in a quarterback when you draw him up. Um, and I think he's got a really high ceiling to be a you know an NFL guy. Yeah, and that kind of covered my next question. But like, where did you, comparing Hal and Drake at the same age, like coming out of high school, was Hal better than than Drake? You think? I mean, Hal was ready to go and had a great freshman year. I'm just wondering if Drake's gonna be at the same level. I'll be honest, I liked Hal's film better than I liked Drake May's film. Um, but I don't know that I would, I, I think I'd be lying if I said, I thought Howell had a, um, that, that I would, that I'd be confident Howell would be a better player than Drake because Howell, like the thing we had to figure out with Howell was, you know, he's a little bit kind of looks like he's a, you know, fifth year senior frat quarterback a little bit body type wise coming out of high school. You know what I mean? Like he yeah. looks, he's not, and, and he's, while he he's, looks like he can slam him down. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, he's uh, while he is athletic and, and makes plays with his or made plays with his feet on film as a, um, as a high schooler, he never really tested that well and he didn't play a great competition. And so like, it was a little bit hard to just, it was hard to gauge how all that stuff was going to translate at the next level. Um, and so but he had some, he had just some it factor to to the weight and the playmaking ability that he brought to the table. That, it, I mean, obviously has translated really well to to the college game. Uh, and and Drake to me, Drake strikes me as a little more of just the, you know, he's more of a sum of his parts than than sort of this like guy you just throw out there and just think he's going to find a way to win like that that Sam Howell quality. Uh, I just think they're different in that way. I mean, and that doesn't mean Drake make doesn't come in and be a, the number one overall pick. Cause I think that's within the realm of possibility for him. Um, I think it's just that they're, they're a different, they're, they're unique. They're an interesting, excuse me, contrast because of, of just those, those different stylistic uh, approaches they have. I love your analogies, Barton. Cause you all, you can relate <laughs> to the bro in the room, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> we talked about, Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Ross. Go ahead. I was just saying, you, you make great analogies on your own podcast, Cover Three. So I'm glad you're bringing similar heat to this well, podcast. I appreciate yeah, I'm glad. It, yeah. I'm glad the A game is here from from Barton. <laughs> I was worried, you know, with different time, all that sort of stuff. Um, so we we've mentioned a bunch of different guys. We've mentioned Ra Ra, mentioned Keyshawn, Drake May. Um, other than those guys, who else just jumps out at you, and, yep. and you feel like we need to talk about? Uh, I think. I would say there's, there's two or three other guys that I think are just sort of catch my eye. Um, Javari Ritzy mm -hmm. to me was a, was a huge, huge get. Um, mm -hmm. And I'll be honest with you. The very first time I watched Javari Ritzy's film, I was, um, I didn't quite know what to make of it because it mm -hmm. was, it was very much just him sort of running in a straight line, sometimes unblocked and just tackling someone in the backfield. And I didn't, mm -hmm. it just, it, and it kind of 
it lacked some nuance for me to figure out exactly what it was. But the more you dig into him, his body type, his athletic profile, his and and then you sort of reassess the film with with some added context. I I just I think he's sort of what you want defensive linemen to look like right now. He could mm-hmm. be, he could play defensive end if you need him to. More than likely, this is a guy that continues to to mature and develop into an interior guy. And you, he brings all that previous athleticism with him into that role. And he's he's naturally powerful. He's a he's a really good shot put guy, which I think is an indicator of some strong innate power. And I, I just think again, I think that he is what you want defensive lineman to look like if I'm running a recruiting office I'm looking for 275 pound athletic thick dudes that will eventually be 315 pounds athletic thicker dudes and I think he's I think that's who that guy is, is, there, is there uh, there, and so yeah there's so there's a couple others so I'll mention the other ones that, that, yeah. that just sort of caught my eye um I think the another one is JJ Jones um I mean that's a guy I actually just before we jumped on here. I, I, he's got some senior film. And so I wanted to just make sure I sort of caught up on that a little bit. And I like, I just sort of like, like what you got there. He is, he's a big bodied guy. <clears throat> he's, he's got thousand yards receiving this year on, you know, 20 yards to catch great uh, ball skills, bunch of one-handed catches on his tape, but he can really, as a big guy, he can sink his hips and get in and out of his routes really effectively. And I think you see a lot of, for a big body for a, for a bigger receiver, you see a lot of him, like he, he utilizes that size. Like you, he protects the football when it's in the air and, and attacks it with body control and ball skills that allow him to make difficult covered catches. And so I, I just, I think that was a really good get. And then I think the other one that's a little bit of a lower rated guy that is one that again, we were anxious to see as a senior and, uh, is Diego Pounds. I mean, I'm sure that's probably another one y'all aren't surprised to hear me say. I mean, I think he's a really good player. Mm-hmm. He's an 89-rated guy for us. Um, not that I think that's, you know, dramatically off, but he's you, you could certainly make a case he's a four-star. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I just think he's a – the body type, the athleticism, the the punch. I mean, these things are all there for him. And so that that's another one that, uh, again, he, he would have had a, a really you – know, we would have taken a close look at him with some senior tape. Yeah, yeah, he definitely has some questions that I mean, even UNC they they waited to offer him until they actually right. needed an offensive lineman, and it was because they wanted to see him in the spring, which they couldn't do, and then they wanted to see him in the summer, which they couldn't do, and then they wanted to see him in his senior season, which they couldn't do. So yeah, there's definitely some questions, and it wasn't you aren't the only one. Mm-hmm. Awesome, uh, I think that's about it. So I'll get off get you out here on one last question, Barton, a kind of off topic question here. Yeah, before I got to warn you, all it says <laughs> is Ross special question. So I have no idea what this, nah, I mean, is. this is. I'm scared for you, Barton. Is it related to uh, back backyard pickup basketball? It, it, it might go there. I just want Barton's take on, you know, we hung out for, I mean, we hung out almost, uh, you know, four or five days a week for, for two years. I want your take <laughs> on the first time you met me. Our experience oh, God. is, could include. We used to play basketball at the CEO's house. That was it's probably my highlight from uh, from working twenty four seven sports. It's kind of before. I felt like it was before it was really big, like before the CBS acquisition. We used to be like, all right, afternoons off, let's go play basketball, and we did that for for a couple of springs there. But what's your perspective on uh, the Ross Martin experience for you in Nashville? 
Uh, well, I will let um, the listeners in on Ross's basketball game. He has got a super Euro basketball game. <laughs> like, uh, like so many, like, how did he get his footwork to do that? And like, but like hook shots and like kind of just using his length. He's a, he's a tall guy, you know, probably played a lot of church league center. Yeah, exactly right. (laughs) Yeah, and and he is he is crafty. He is crafty around the lid. I'll I'll give him credit for that. Um, you know, you've you, I think at my uh, did we did we try to set you up with one of my uh at the time girlfriends? Maybe he's my wife at the time. Uh, one of her friends. Did we try to set you up at one point? Not sure, man. I I don't think I I don't think it went very far. Uh, the 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 report I got back was that. I don't know if this was me. Though. I want the report. I want to hear the report. <laughs> the report I got back was something like, "Oh, that he's he's a he's one of those jokers. This just uh. just a player. Like he's an, he's not interested in a serious relationship." Th- I don't. I actually do not remember that. And well, it was short lived. It was didn't okay. it didn't get very far. Yeah, what's funny um, is like you were kind of started your relationship with your wife kind of during that time when I was there because I think you got married right before I left. Almost. Yeah, you missed the, you missed a good run, man. I know. I, had, I, I kind of was, was hanging out. out the cleats at that point, but it was a, your, uh, it was a good little, little stretch your, before you got there. Your Broadway uh, nickname was like Cat. I was at a bar once, and like they're like the the freaking band guy was like, "Hey, Catfish." <laughs> and I was like, "Who's he talking to?" And I look behind, it's Barton because Barton's from Nashville, so like all the I guess all the bands and all the bartenders know him so he had a reputation around uh around some of the bars on just put in daily deposits you know hard work <laughs> night after night sometimes they you, you get to know the right people yeah uh those the games were awesome i mean it was pretty competitive because uh our ceo played played in college barton's a college athlete clint brewster shout out college athlete and then you have some of like the tech guys come play those games sent me into retirement though because i got i got a, a hard you remember, were you in the game when i got a hard foul and I got put on my back, and that so. was the beginning of the end for my back. And I don't, I don't play. I don't do much of anything anymore. Yeah. So. yeah. I mean, there were, like, some fights. You had, like Char- – remember Charlie would fight with uh, Samir? The two nice guys out in the there. world were going nose to nose. <laughs> it was so funny. Right. Competition, yeah. baby. That's right. <laughs> All right. Good times. Uh, Barton, this is awesome. Hopefully our listeners enjoy that. We're going to close the podcast now, guys. So thanks for listening. Don, any words? No, I appreciate Barton coming on, and I do agree with what Ross said earlier. We need to have Barton on in a couple months once the uh, dust settles. Talk about some ranking stuff and the 22 class. I'm happy to come on. Thanks for having me on. and I, I'm always very open and welcoming to, to shed a little light and transparency on our rankings process. The more, the better. I think the more people understand the, the different dilemmas of, of the process, the more uh, they're willing to grant us a little bit of uh, a leeway. So thanks for, thanks for, for talking. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. Cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+.